0: Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we have conversations with ordinary people to learn how our extraordinary God is at work in people's lives and in the world today. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited you've joined us. Joining me today on the weekly interview for Sound of Truth is Ben Phillips. Ben is a native of Southern Illinois, Heron, Illinois, to be specific. He's a graduate of Southern Illinois University and Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. Ben is married to Karen. They have three grown children. He has served in denominational ministry for the Arkansas Baptist Convention. He is also a pastor. That's what he's doing right now, pastoring in Texas First Baptist Church, Murphy, Texas. Ben, welcome to Sound of Truth.
1: Hey, good to be with you today, Brett.
0: How far back do we go, Ben?
1: Uh, Well, I, I don't know if we really connected much in Southern Illinois that I can remember uh, I, remember, I do we, remember
0: we met at some point in Southern Illinois.
1: Yes, we did, because uh, you and some friends used to do some sort of weekend radio show, didn't
0: you? <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I guess it just comes full circle. I'm podcasting now. So I brought Darren Patrick on there one, one time. I brought, I'm trying to remember, oh, Jason Browning on there one time. But we had those, week. we would do those occasional Southern Illinois interdenominational youth gatherings that Joe Wagner and I had kind of developed together. Yeah,
1: because he's, he's still in Decoy, correct?
0: Yep. Yeah. And I think we would come over to Lakeland, where you were leading youth ministry at the time, and, and informed you about the, I think we called it Solid Rock gatherings or something like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, I, it's hard to remember back that far, but uh, I remember some of those gatherings and kind of some neat things happening there in Southern Illinois at the time.
0: Yeah, and you were real active in the, the Baptist student ministry there at SIU with Phil Nelson. I maybe went to one of those events because I commuted and didn't really get that active in that. I was only there one semester as well. So,
1: Yes, I was. It was just a, a formational time in my life. Probably uh first time I would say I was really discipled and first mission trip experience, the first time learning how to share my faith. and just a variety of other experiences that uh, really made a significant impact in uh, my spiritual journey.
0: That's fantastic. Well, let's just rewind from there. Go back from your college days to your early days. Tell us about your upbringing and uh, when you came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Share a little bit of your testimony, if you would.
1: Yeah, I would love to do that. In fact, that's something that uh, I know here at our church that I'm always, always, encouraging people to do is to share your story uh, about how you came to faith uh, in Christ. And so my journey grew up in a Christian home. Both of uh, my parents were extremely active in church. Dad was a coal miner, underground coal miner. Mom worked. Uh, she actually worked as a uh, uh, church secretary, uh, First Baptist Church in Heron for several years and just grew up going. To, in fact, I was almost born in church. Uh, I was born on Mother's Day. My mom actually went into labor and left Sunday school. Uh, is and that practice. right? Yeah. So every so often, my birthday falls on Mother's Day, which is pretty unique and, and special. But uh, anyway, from, from that moment uh, on, my parents, Made sure me and I have uh, two brothers and a sister. I'm the oldest, and we were in church uh, consistently. Uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, any kind of special activities—they had us there. Uh, In fact, I can remember uh, one of the things I do remember about my dad. A lot of times, he would work uh, midnight, and on Sunday morning would get home just in enough time to clean up, get dressed, and go to church. And he would be there at church. Now, granted, halfway through the sermon, uh, he was out of it. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm, I was still impressed by that, that you know, he probably would have rather have been home sleeping, sure. uh, but at least uh, um, made it through a few hours there at church and then uh, took a good long Sunday afternoon nap before he started work again. Uh, that evening. But so.
0: But that was communicating to, to church, you such an important thing, wasn't it? Even to this day, you remember really
1: that. Was. Yeah. And I, I have the uh, tendency when I'm not the one up there preaching to get comfortable and um, uh, occasionally nod a little bit, <laughs> I'll be honest. And so I don't ever really give anybody a hard time when that happens when I'm up there preaching.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so. Now, if you don't anyway, mind me asking, church, what was your were your parents first generational christians or was this a, f- a family heritage generational thing that they would gotten from their parents uh, as well
1: so my dad's parents uh went to church sporadically uh my mom's mother went to church very consistently her her dad uh, was very sporadic and so one of the ways i look at it is my grandfathers were sporadic in attending church. Uh, My dad, when he got married, they stepped it up a notch in their spiritual journey. And uh, so I had a dad that was uh, very involved and consistent in taking his family to church and being there. And I'll get into this uh, later on, but uh, didn't really experience a whole lot of discipleship in the home. And so my wife was from a similar kind of family, growing up in church, didn't experience a lot of discipleship in the home. And when we got married, uh, of course, I was in seminary at the time, and we were very active in church from the time we got married. And then when we had kids, we really began to wrestle with, okay, how do we take it up uh, a notch in what we're doing and we began to wrestle with the process of, okay, how do we disciple our children in the home? Mm. And that's something with my children that I will uh, plan to, and already am encouraging them to think through. Okay, you've received uh, this heritage. Hey, this is my ceiling. This is your floor to uh, uh, to walk on. Now, what what are going to be some of the greater steps you're going to take in in your spiritual journey? So. Anyway, I look back on that and I'm just really thankful that uh, my parents made sure we were in church, whether we wanted to be or not. And there were times I didn't want to go. But, uh, in fact, I remember there were times I would try to fake like I was sick. And uh, my dad would say, hey, come on, go to church. Maybe God will heal you. (laughs) And uh, I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, he really pressed in. And so while attending church there at First Baptist Heron, I heard the gospel, I don't know how many different times, uh, through Sunday school, through uh, preaching, through the invitation time, through different uh, revival services that uh, we attended. I, I don't know if I can remember my parents sharing the gospel at, at home with us. Uh, maybe they did. If they did, I I just don't recollect that. And so uh, leading up to, uh, age 10, uh, God really began to convict me of my sin. Now I wasn't, uh, wasn't a, a bad kid in the sense of spending time in the principal's office every week, but I was an older brother who was mischievous and, uh, loved to play practical jokes and, uh, was pretty good at lying and, uh, pretty good at, uh, just being real sarcastic and, and cutting a lot of times in my words and comments. And God really just began to convict me of some different sins in my life. And I, I recognize scripture says, Romans three we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And, I began to recognize uh, uh the the depths of my sin as a ten year old can and recognize that I really did uh need uh a savior because recognize that if uh, I really paid the penalty for uh my sin it was it was going to be death mm-hmm. and ultimately eternal death mm mm-hmm. and so I had just heard the story, uh, about Jesus again and again and again, who, uh, God sent to us, he loved us, sent his son, lived a perfect, sinless life, uh, was crucified on the cross. Uh, Romans 5 8 says, God demonstrated his love for us, that why were you sinners? Christ died for us. And that was one of those verses that I heard over and over and over again. And began to think about and wrestle with Jesus paying the penalty for my sins, appeasing the wrath of a holy, holy, uh, holy God, something that, uh, I wasn't even close to being good enough to, uh, to do to earn my way to heaven. And so, uh, at the end of, uh, most Baptist churches, there was always an invitation time. Uh, A call to uh, give your life to Christ, to turn from your sins and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So there were many of those days that uh, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was uh, drawing me to uh, confess Christ as my Lord and Savior. But uh, I, I, I resisted multiple times uh that uh that that pull to uh just really turn my life over to Christ, but it wasn't until uh, a revival service at our church it was one of those two week long revival services that the church used to have, and one of those evenings uh it was just uh, irresistible I couldn't say no anymore mm. and so uh, Went and visited with uh, the pastor And said hey I want to give I want to give my life to Christ I recognize that the sinner Believed Jesus paid the penalty for my sins And rose from the grave three days later And uh, he was victorious over sin And death and hell And um, I need him to to save me I want him to be Lord of my life And so we kind of talked A little bit about that And then a few weeks uh, later I was baptized there at First Baptist Church in Heron. Uh, recognized even as a 10 year old that that didn't do anything to save me, but it was a, a picture of, uh, my salvation, something that had actually happened, uh, to me. And so that was, that was my conversion experience there at the age of 10. Now, one of the things uh, I believe is a genuine experience there, but i I never really felt like or just don't remember anybody intentionally discipling me. hey, this is how you pray, this is how you uh read and study your Bible, this is how you uh walk with God, this is how you share your faith, and so Really, through middle school, high school, continued to go to church, uh, but I would say uh, I I really didn't have a vibrant faith. I can't say that I had, uh, a consistent daily walk with Christ. And it wasn't until my sophomore year of, uh, college that connected with the Baptist Student Union there at Southern Illinois University that, uh, Phil Nelson, the campus minister there at the time, he's a pastor at Lakeland Baptist Church now, uh, invited me to go through a discipleship process with him and a few other guys, and that's when I really, uh, I I think, began to walk with Christ daily. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is it like to spend time in the scriptures daily? And... And just be intentional in praying daily. And so that was a big, uh, spiritual marker in my life in, uh, that season. So that's, that's part of my journey up to, uh, that point in time.
0: Okay, great. Thank you so much, Ben, for sharing your testimony of your conversion and about your upbringing in a Christian home, where your parents maybe they didn't know how to disciple you specifically, but obviously they knew that they needed to have you around God's people and in the life of the church, and obviously they were not living hypocritical lives at home.
1: That's true. Yeah. So yeah, I'm um, very thankful for. Um, I think they really did what they knew best, and. I would say they didn't ever experience discipleship in the home. So I believe they stepped it up a notch in what they knew to do.
0: So after your conversion, you had this wonderful experience in college. What was your major at SIU?
1: So I actually majored in uh, biological science. I was, uh, started college, went through a variety of different uh, major changes, um, just trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life, Mm -hmm. and really kind of nailed it down that – I'm going to get an undergraduate degree in biology and then uh, go on to uh, physical therapy school and and become a physical therapist.
0: Okay. And
1: so that was the track I was on. And one of the things that God began to do was draw me closer to himself, went on my first mission trip in college, began sharing my faith in college, in classes and speeches and with peers in college. And I remember uh, attending a BSU conference up in Springfield. Jack Shelby was a missionary from Hong Kong. And and he was preaching a message out of uh, Romans 10, 14 and 15, just talking about how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And I'd been wrestling with, OK, God, what do you want me to do with my life? In that moment, I just really sensed a uh, strong call. God wanted me to take this step of faith. And that I sensed he really wanted me to surrender to vocational ministry, that he wanted me to just give my life to, uh, sharing the gospel with others, discipling others. And so made that public when I got home at my home church and uh, everybody was extremely affirming. And uh, in fact, I remember one of the things that I did. I, I, I had a map of the world that I had above my uh, study desk and I began to write different, uh, passages and quotes, uh, different things that God was uh, teaching me. And it really began to solidify and crystallize my call experience. I still have a copy of that map, uh, somewhere in my Library. I remember circling the 1040 window and, mm. okay, God, I'm open to going wherever uh, mm-hmm. you want me to go. And so ultimately,
0: now, just for uh, our after
1: that call experience, one of the guys who was a part yeah. of this two-semester discipleship experience was a pastor, David Burleson, who was the current pastor at Lakeland Baptist Church. And so he had experienced this discipleship time with me for an entire school year. And they had the opportunity to hire a summer student minister. And uh, I got that opportunity to begin serving there for a summer, then finished out serving there through the rest of uh, my college career. Did finish out with a degree in biology And so both the guys who discipled me, David Burleson, the pastor there at Lakeland and Phil Nelson, uh, were both Southwestern grads. So that was that was the place I went. And so I made the uh, 12 hour journey down to uh, Fort Worth. And I remember because I grew up on a small farm, uh, didn't drive in the big city a lot. And so I was taking pictures driving through downtown Fort Worth of all the on off ramps to show family back home. Uh, what it was like to uh, be around the big city. <laughs> and,
0: uh, oh, so that's great.
1: was at Southwestern Seminary, and that's where we spent some time together. I, I remember us having some accountability times together while we were
0: there. We did, yeah.
1: Seminary, and really enjoyed that time and experience. And it was a time of just some real significant uh, spiritual growth in my life as well.
0: I remember us going to the Whataburger.
1: Now, see, I don't remember that. Interesting. Okay.
0: And and I I don't know. Did you have one of those uh, plastic coffee cup, nickel coffee cups at Whataburger? I did not. Okay.
1: So I I ended up, there was a Dairy Queen that was not too far from the seminary. I remember
0: meeting with you at Dairy Queen as well.
1: Yeah. And
0: maybe that was uh, it. My memory's just bad. (laughs) That's hilarious.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, But great experience at Southwestern. Uh, Enjoyed
0: my time there. Let let me interrupt for just a second because I feel like we've got this loop that needs to be closed for our listeners who don't know what the 1040 window is. Um, You made reference to that map and the 1040 window, and you you and I are speaking that language, but I have several that listen to the podcast that may not know what we're talking about with that. But we want to give us just quickly a definition of 1040 window you know the, what the ten stands for, and what the forty, and what why that's called that area of the world.
1: Okay, now I, I always get my latitude longitude.
0: Well, that's up. why I just put it on you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's uh, the horizontal
0: it's, lines. I know that part is what we're yeah, talking about.
1: Yeah. So really, you got North Africa, the Middle East, Asia, India, Indonesia, all the way across there. Really includes some of the most populated areas in the world, the most unreached areas in the world.
0: In terms of the gospel reach, yeah.
1: Yes. So uh, that was just kind of an area that I circled and just began to think and pray about. In fact, I think think every believer ought to, bare minimum, pray for uh, laborers for the harvest to be sent out to those different countries uh, in fact one of the things we still do at uh, our home uh, we've done it for several years we have a little prayer calendar, Operation World prayer calendar and we we talk about different countries and some of their prayer needs and, and pray for some of those different countries and the the closest I got to, to being a part of a 1040 window mission experience I took a mission trip over to Beirut, uh, Lebanon, when I was a collegiate minister. And mm-hmm. just the, the, the lostness and uh, lack of access to the gospel, very few churches in some of those regions and still many unreached people who have never, ever heard the gospel. And you heard me share my salvation story. I heard it. No telling. How many times growing up and to think that they're, are still a lot of people in the world who've never, ever heard the name of Jesus.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of sound of truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of truth podcast is produced in collaboration with harvest Jacksonville and is copyrighted by Brett Amarani, 2023.